First Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter 11 deals with one of the saddest and perhaps strangest, one of the strangest parts of the Bible. If you read chapters 1 to 10 of First Kings, Solomon is spoken in glowing terms. His kingdom, in a sense, couldn't be going better we have a man used by God tremendously. And we see this in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Ecclesiastes we see. In other parts of the Bible. The Song of Solomon. And yet, as we're going to see, tragically, in this chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 13. He fell into sin. A man filled with wisdom. A man, not some young person, but... He was an old person at this point. If I could speak to the children for a moment before we read this. Have your, have your parents, dear children, boys and girls, have they ever said to you over and over again, don't do that? And you've heard it so many times. You think, it's not that dangerous. Whatever my parents are warning me about. It's not that bad. And then there comes that one day. When your parents have warned you so many times. And you come back and you've got a sore arm. And you've been hurt. And you think in your head. Oh. Mommy and daddy were right. Now. I bet that's never happened to any of you here has it? No. No. I, I dare say some maybe older remember times when we too ignored the warnings of our parents and learned the hard way that what they were warning about was right. We shouldn't have played near the water or perhaps we were playing near something that was very, very dangerous, maybe very hot, maybe the, maybe the cooker. But the Bible also has many warnings, doesn't it? Lots of warnings. And sometimes we see those warnings so many times we think, ah, is it really that bad? But we, do we want to learn from experience how bad these things are? No. It's far better to trust God, to trust Him, because His warnings are taking us away from something very, very dangerous. And taking us to something that is very, very good in Jesus Christ. So, let us turn now and read this part of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 11. And we're going to read down to verse 13 of this chapter. Let us hear God's holy word. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian and Hittite woman. 
from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither that neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had seven hundred wives who were princesses and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcon, the abomination of the Ammonites, So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Often the difference between us, old and young, can be painful experience. Whether we have gone through painful experiences or not and these painful experiences can shape us and make us who we are and the Lord and his providence can bring us through various trials when I was 16 years old I had a bad uh, cycling accident and I remember cycling along the road I pulled in a little bit and my front tire caught on the manhole and I went over the handlebars long story short I had five years of pretty heavy dental treatment so when I see people riding a bike extremely fast along the road I get a little bit nervous for them because perhaps I can see a little bit more of the dangers of something that looks as safe And as harmless as riding a bicycle. 
perhaps I had a better idea now, after that painful experience of what it is like to have an accident, even on a bicycle. Solomon in our text has been spoken about right up until uh, chapter 10 in a very, very positive way. And there's now a change. But King Solomon loved many wives at the beginning of chapter 11. And we have to think about this. The shock almost of seeing this chapter here. Uh, This is a king filled with the wisdom of the Lord. He's filled with wisdom. And he is not a young, foolish king either. This morning, let us see that neither age, nor experience, nor practical wisdom can prevent us spiritually from falling into sin. Now Solomon could not lose his salvation, could he? It's, it's, salvation is of the Lord. God keeps those in the grip of his hand, those who are his. But at the same time, Solomon was left with a painful experience and the painful consequences of his actions lived beyond his own life. Consequences that impacted his family and consequences for this fallen world. Not consequences for the world to come. Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ has dealt with all that. But there was consequences in this fallen world. We're going to look at this text this morning under four headings. And the first heading that we're going to look at this morning is the danger. The danger. And the danger is here, we all have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. And you too have weaknesses. I'm sure if King Solomon, with all his wisdom, had weaknesses, we are no exception. Verses 1 and 3 of our text. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. As well as the daughters of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites. Ammonites. Edomites. Sidonians. And Hittites. In verse 3 as well it says this. And he had... 700 women, uh, 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. And that last part is the most heartbreaking. His wives turned away his heart. There is a tendency to think that with much practical wisdom, perhaps we can do no wrong. We can enter into a place where we feel completely safe and we do not see the danger. Now, at the same time, if godly men and women, and indeed younger people, have shown over many years that they are godly people and faithful, this is not an invitation to start looking at them with suspicion. But we we should think the best that we possibly can of one another. And we should, as they say, give the benefit of the doubt wherever possible 
in church matters, especially when we're dealing with other people. Uh, but the, let's think of the danger present, not of other people per se, but our own hearts. Our own hearts. And we should be probably, let us say, more suspicious of our own hearts than of any other hearts. Let us examine our hearts this morning in light of this danger. Our weaknesses, what are they? Now Solomon's weaknesses were, obviously from our text here, foreign pagan wives. Now these foreign wives, this wasn't to do with their background, where they grew up, or skin color, or anything like that. This had to do with the fact that they were unbelievers. And to marry a woman outside of Israel in that day was to marry an unbeliever. Someone whose God was not Jehovah, the Lord God of Israel. These wives were not followers of Jehovah, the Lord. Now Solomon perhaps thought, I'll be okay. Perhaps he thought that his heart would not drift from the Lord in such a practice. And I've no doubt probably in the ancient world that this was very much an acceptable practice. To show your power, to show your might in various different ways. But when we think about Solomon, he was very humble, wasn't he, when he went before the Lord? He didn't seek for riches and honor. He sought wisdom. Great beginnings. Humble beginnings. And we can think if we have good beginnings. Perhaps that we can do no wrong. That he was safe. But with the human heart. There are great dangers. All of our hearts present great dangers. No matter the age. And no matter our experience. What are your weaknesses here this morning? It may not be like Solomon. It may be nothing like Solomon's. But are you a content person? Are you a content person? Are you happy and and joyful and glad with with the things that the Lord has given you? Uh, The the home you have been given. Perhaps if you're running a farm, are are you pleased with that? Thomas Watson said this, Satan loves to fish In the troubled waters of a discontented heart. A discontented heart. Are you patient? Perhaps your weakness is forgiving people. Perhaps you might find it hard to forgive people. Perhaps you struggle with anger. Maybe you're a passionate person. Nothing wrong with that. But it just depends on your outlet for that passion. Is it being directed in the right way? Or perhaps could it cause other people to suffer? I pray, friends, here this morning that you do not come out of here thinking, I have no weaknesses at all. That is a very, very dangerous place to be at. We all need to examine ourselves and we all have weaknesses. From the, from the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth. To the weakest. We all have our weaknesses. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah seventeen nine. 
And if you say here this morning, I have no weaknesses. You are listening to your heart and not to the word of God. There are dangers for us all. Well, think of the apostle Peter. Peter, did he think he was going to deny Christ three times? Not at all. He thought that's impossible. That's never going to happen. He didn't realize, like Solomon here, that he was no match for the devil and that he would be sifted like wheat. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter wrote, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Peter could write that from experience. Children here, boys and girls, do you have weaknesses? Do you have things you need to work on? Do you love to listen to God? And I pray and I hope that you say, yes, I love to hear God's voice, the word of God. But sometimes it can be hard counted in the middle of the sermon. There's so many distractions. Maybe your brother or sister is, you know, messing with you or something in, in the pew. Ask God for help. Ask him for help. That he would focus your mind on him. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different dangers that affect us all. Let us seek the Lord for his help. So we've looked at the danger. Now we're going to look at the demand. The demand. There is a righteous, holy, and perfect standard to which we all are to aim toward. And there was a demand placed upon God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. But there's also a demand placed upon us in the New Testament era. There are, we are sinners, but the demand on our lives remains. These commands of Almighty God. Verses 2 and 4. Verse 2. From the nations of which the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts. After their gods, Solomon clung to these in love. And then verse 4, For it was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Here is a command of Almighty God. And this command went back to Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 to 3. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. 
You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Verse 3, nor shall you make marriages with them. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter to your son. It is not a new rule for Solomon. It is not something that became relaxed as the years went by. And this is not a polite suggestion or a request. These are commands and demands of Almighty God. And there is a sense... When we look at the commands of God, it is seeking for perfection. Now I know we fail, but it is calling for obedience from us. Solomon had not listened to the law in this area. And it didn't just remain with breaking the law in this part. The seventh commandment. This then led to Solomon breaking the first. The first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And I I imagine that as he was going through this. He would never have thought that he would get to the point where he's breaking the first commandment. Commandment. Sin has a way of bringing us lower than we ever imagined it would ever take us. There are things we see as more important than others, don't we, in terms of sin. There are some sins we think, and that's not so bad. There are what are called acceptable sins in the culture. And then there are unacceptable sins as well. I thought of there recently when our current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, he was living with his girlfriend at the time. If that happened 20 years ago, that would be a national scandal. Today, nobody cares. Acceptable sins, quote unquote, in the culture. But we must not be driven by what is acceptable to people around us. The culture is not our authority. God is our authority. And to intermarry as it was or to marry an unbeliever is is also not seen as serious today. There are various parts of the wider church that for a Christian to marry an unbeliever, it's it's not seen as a big deal. Not too important. But there are consequences. There are dangers. And the demand and the same standard remains. We cannot have a casual attitude toward any sin. We must be seeking, wherever possible, to put sins to death. And if the Bible clearly commands us to not do something... In a very clear and open way. We're not talking about parts of the Bible we may have a disagreement over. We're talking about things that we can all agree on. If we believe that this is the word of the living God. This is wrong. And we must obey. And have the attitude that we're going to do this no matter 
what it costs us. We live for him and not for ourselves. Now you might be here this morning thinking this. And I can understand this thinking. No one can keep the law. This is impossible to keep. We just do our best. And I can understand this thinking. I I certainly do. But this is not the attitude we should have toward the law of God. We aim for perfection. It's like you get an arrow and you shoot the arrow. We aim for the bullseye. We may not get the bullseye. But we aim for the bullseye. If you aim for somewhere else, you're going to be even further away from the target. We aim for perfect obedience, even though we do fail. And yes, we should be very gracious with other people who also fail in that. But a heart that aims at perfect obedience is a loyal heart. And this is something that Solomon drifted away from. A heart that loves God. If we say, well, I'm going to obey God here. A little bit of this, I like this. You see the danger. I don't like that. that's That's not fun to do. Our heart, just like Solomon, can drift from our first love. And this happened to the first century church in Ephesus. Jesus wrote this to the church in Ephesus in Revelation. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. A very serious warning from the Lord. We are to live in a sense two ways. In an idealistic way. We are seeking to obey God in everything. But another way we should also live realistically. I feel like we need to emphasize this as well. We will fail. There are going to be some among us. Who are always going to try and be like this. No matter what. That's just their personality. (coughs) Tender consciences. Christ has kept the law. In every jot and tittle. Our greatest deeds are filthy rags. We cannot keep the law. Another has kept it in our place. So we must also keep that in mind. We sin. And another has kept the law in our place. Number three now. The damage. The damage. So we've looked at the danger. The demand. Now we're going to look at the damage. Now before we look at the medicine. And we will look at the medicine. And it is sweet wonderful medicine. That the Lord provides us here this morning. We must look at one more thing before we get there. The lasting damage sin can have in this world, in this fallen world. Verses 9 to 11. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel. Who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you. I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant and give it to your servant. This sin 
which he received, there's repeated warnings. Repeated warnings. That he should not go after other gods. It's not that his other practice was okay. But there's warnings of where this was taking him. It brought lasting division and damage for generations to come. If we, we think, what happened after Solomon's reign? After Solomon's reign, the kingdom breaks into two. In the southern kingdom, you have Rehoboam. And in the northern kingdom, you have Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. And that kingdom is filled with sinful rulers who follow after the sinful and idolatrous example of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. It had lasting damage and lasting idolatry in that northern kingdom until it was finally judged by the Assyrians. Much of the kingdom was taken away. While our sins have been washed away in Christ Jesus, while we have been forgiven, while we have received so much, we have an eternal home, we have so many blessed things in Christ Jesus, let us never think that our sins do not have consequences. Sometimes it's hard to keep these things in balance, isn't it? There was a lasting damage for Solomon's sins. And much of it was not seen until after Solomon's death. Even in Judah, the southern kingdom, that suffered as well. Sin brought division. And there was conflict between Judah in the south and then Israel in the north. We must not play with fire, friends. We may know where our heavenly home is, but we must not play with fire. We must not think that the battle is over. Our battle is not over until we go to spend an eternity with our Savior in heaven. I once heard of a story many, many decades ago now where a young boy... He was playing with batteries and there was a fire nearby him. And that boy got one of the batteries and threw it into the fire. Now you're probably wondering what happened to that boy. Thankfully, nothing. But many of us know the dangers of playing with fire. Many of us, when we hear stories like that, are wondering what happened. It was incredibly dangerous. But it's even far more dangerous than that story I just shared with you. It's playing with sin. Because I think sometimes we can think, well, we're saved. The Lord, will, his face will shine upon all that I do here. Not so, friends. The damage of sin done, even as a believer, as Solomon discovered, can be horrific to our homes. And it can even be horrific to our neighborhoods. So we need to be sober and we need to be vigilant. For our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. And then, number four, the deliverer. The deliverer. And this is 
the sweet healing balm that the Lord provides for His people, even though we do not deserve it. So we've looked at number one, the danger, number two, the demand, number three, the damage, and number four, the deliverer. Things can look bleak, can't they, in the Word of God. We look at texts like this and it just thinks, how can there be anything positive come out of this? How can there be anything hopeful that can come out of this? But hope is not extinguished by our sins. You may be here this morning. And this may be troubling you. But hope is not extinguished by our sins. In verses 12 and 13. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days. For the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David. And for the sake of Jerusalem which I have chosen. Now perhaps as we're going through these things. You may and maybe coming into your mind past sins. Things that may still be coming into your mind. Things that may be causing you to feel horribly guilty. To this very day. But dear brother, sister Christ, if you have gone to God for forgiveness, if you have cried out to him, and if he has forgiven you, as he promises to do if you come to him in faith, he has cleansed you. You no longer need to feel guilty for these things. If we confess our sins, 1 John tells us, one nine, he is faithful and just to forgive us, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Leave forgiven past sins where they belong in the past. If Jesus does not remember them, why should we? We must be careful as we look at all these things, not to think that everything bad in our lives is necessarily the result of some past sin we have done. I personally struggled with this. Because of my past, up until the age of 24, I lived a wretched life. But I have to keep reminding myself, God has forgiven me. He has washed me clean. And he doesn't remember those sins anymore. We cannot think that everything bad in our lives is a consequence of something we did in the past. Think of Job, a godly man. But he went through a horrible time, didn't he? In Job 1 and 2. He lost everything, even his health. His wife even came to the point where, he, where she said, curse God and die. But our merciful God, our merciful God, our kind, loving God is the one who's in control. Not our past. He has forgiven you. But if you have not come For forgiveness. In this particular area. To the Lord. Come to him today. Ask the Lord for forgiveness today. And forsake that sin. Whatever it is plaguing you. In your conscience. Forsake it today. Solomon's hope is in the sure mercies of David. They're not gone. Even though he'd done this. Even though he'd fallen into this sin. The hope of the kingdom. 
The line of David is not extinguished. It will continue on. Even though that kingdom is smaller, one tribe, Judah, remains. But for the sake of Jerusalem, for the sake of David, the hope continues. It says this when speaking of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, Acts 13, 33 to 34. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you. The sure mercies of David. For the sake of David. For the sake of Jerusalem. Hope and mercy continues. And the Lord will continue. Going forth. Conquering his enemies. The Lord said unto my Lord. Sit at my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110 verse 1. So if you've come for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You're washed. You're cleansed. You are forgiven. Dear Christian. Where are you today? Where are you you in your walk with him? Are you close to him? We have all sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And some of our past sins may continue with their consequences in our lives in this fallen world. But is this the end? Is this all? Is this the final word on these things? Should we throw in the towel? Not at all. No, for there is forgiveness found in God. Even at this point... However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David. For the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. If you come to Jesus Christ, there is healing. If you come to Jesus Christ, there is restoration. If you come to Jesus Christ, there is an eternal home in heaven. It doesn't matter the sin. Cleansed from the consequences of sin in the world to come. Cleansed from all that will cause tears and suffering in the new heavens and the new earth. Cleansed from all danger. And speaking about this future, this glorious future for those in Jesus Christ. It says this in Isaiah 11 verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all My holy mountain. Amen.